Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. That long pause, Shedheads, was a moment of silence. A moment of silence that I think we need to all come to grips with together. A moment of silence that I think that resonates through this podcast, through this family, through this base. And let's do this one more time. Let's just pause. We pause for my winning streak. We pause for the pain that your Shed Adamas is feeling. After, after a week of just physical pain. Physical pain for going two, for eight. I don't know. A- after what we experienced together, the highs of going six for eight last week. The highs of us just making it rain in some people's terminology. We plummeted to, 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 to bottom basement lows. And you know who I blame for this? I'd like to say I blame Peter Volandis, but I can't. Peter didn't suit up. I blame the underachieving... Under, no, I don't. I blame just uh, freakness. That's what I blame. I, I can't say exactly what happened. But games that looked like they were for sure victories didn't turn out that way. And I think this is why, even though we, we, we go through this together and we pick matches and pick games and, and uh, we gloat and I win your significant others prize after prize after prize, usually with most of my uh, wins and, and predictions, I think this is why you have to be very careful with gambling. Because no matter how great one can think they are and pat themselves on the back, and we're not going to go back to last week too much, I think sometimes we have to just remember that we're not the ones taking the field. We're not the ones that are throwing a, a, a no-look pass or kicking a, a, a point-after attempt to win or lose the game, Chad Townsend style. We're not the, we're not the people that, that have any say in it. And so... It is a game of chance. It is a game of thinking you know what's gonna what's going on, and 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 none of us really do, because even though we want to feel like this is our team and we know what's going on, I think the title of this podcast really says it best. It's outside the sheds, meaning we're not really inside that locker room. We're outside of it, but we want to feel like we're in there, so we don't know what's really going on. We're not, we don't know what's really going on. But what I do know what's going on is let's go over these scores and get this out of the way so I can start to heal. So I can stop the bleeding. So I can actually start to get a little bit of a scab over this, this, this seven-inch incision that's been put on me. Uh, we started out Thursday night. The Storm held serve and did what I thought they were going to do, another dominant performance. They beat the Broncos 40-12. to I think we all saw that one coming. To me, the best match of the round, and this is when everything started to turn for me because I thought we had, we'd gone in there and picked a good one. Uh, but Valentine Holmes has become Valentine Holmes again. So much so that, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that he is now going to be the fullback for, for the Queensland origin side. Which, you know, I know he's always wanted to be, even though he's really excelled on the wing for the Maroons He's going to be back, and he showed it again, kicking a, a you know, just a incredible field goal to win. Um, but they beat they beat the Warriors 29-28, which to me was easily the match of the round. And if you look at the two times these two teams have played, I don't know, is it because they were playing their old coach or old coaches were involved, or is it just a size matchup that is so close, but... These Warriors-Cowboys matches have been really something fun, really something special to watch, uh, and, and I enjoy them. It's too bad that that was, I think, the last time they are playing this season. Then the Tigers 
gonna Tiger's gonna Tiger. You know, I guess this is the week they win. But I think I figured out something. Madge McGuire, West Tigers, I have the answer to how we make it to the finals. And I don't know how we're going to pull this off, but this is how we're going to do it. We're going to play the Dragons... Every week. That's right. We're going to try to play the Dragons and the Knights every week. And, and I think we can get in the finals. I think we can go on a big winning streak if we play those two teams. Week in and week out. Maybe just flip-flop them every week. But for whatever reason, the Tigers just smashed the Dragons again. 34-18. And I guess that means they're going to lose this week to the Penrith Panthers. But... That being said, it's a, a victory is a victory. Then the Panthers got me back on a winning track when they beat the Dogs 30-4. to We kind of saw that one coming. But then I, again, fell back off because I thought for sure the Eels were going to rebound and, and, and take it to the Bunnies. But then I forgot, and I didn't really put into context how important indigenous round is to so many of those Bunnies players. And those are the guys that stepped up, Dane Gagai, uh, and just really, you know, Latrell. They just know the importance of that round, and they put it to the Eels. They put it to the Eels. And I don't think Dylan Brown can run back through the door fast enough to get the ship straight. But there's going to be some lasting repercussions from these last two weeks for the Eels uh, with players not actually playing. Uh, being sent down, uh, you 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 hope that there's not some panic that's going on there, um, but you've got to get results. And I don't think that uh, Brad Arthur ex- was expecting his team to drop two in a row, especially with the sense and, and the form that they were in going up into that point. Then the Roosters took it to the Raiders. The sh- the, the 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 ship the ship continues to sink. For the uh, the green machine, and and Robbo and his boys just find a way, week in and week out. No matter who goes down, no matter who's on suspension, and they just take care of business. And Joseph Manu, you know, you wonder if Joseph Manu is being I don't want to say being wasted on the wing or in the centers, but watching his play. This weekend, you kind of wish the guy had the ball in his hands a hell of a lot more often. The problem is the Roosters have so much depth at half. You don't really know what to do with him. But Joseph Manu is just a freak. He is a freak of a player. And really, when you watch him play in the halves like that, where he can kind of construct and, and control play... He really easily could be a, a a fan favorite more than he even is now. I don't think he's even talked about enough now. But watching that performance he did, kicking a try to himself, the, the guy's a freak. And uh, I, I think that coming at the end of this season, when we get into the uh, Rugby League World Cup, he's going to be a key, key, key component for the New Zealand Kiwis if they really want to do something uh, this this year and kind of make up for the last Rugby League World Cup where they really, I think, underachieved. Then the Sharks took it to the Titans. And, I, I, you know, I'm getting worried about the blood flow to Justin Holbrook's face because his face is staying so red now with this underperforming Titan side, a side that a lot of people, including myself, thought could really do some damage this season in the NRL, and they really have just not stepped up to the plate. Bad defense, they've got some key signings that have come in that really, you know, they got Fafita, but, and he's played well, but, you know, you don't know what they're doing with Ash Taylor and, you know, the halves. It just, it's just not been a good season. And he better get it, he better right the ship quickly 
And it's not going to get easy with who they're who they match up with this week. But the Titans are in real trouble. And I told you I'm a big fan of Justin Holbrook. I think he's done some incredible coaching in his career. But this might be the moment that he's going to have to do the best coaching and soul searching that he's ever done in his career. Because they've got to win. And they've got to win soon if they're going to save their season. But the Sharks win that one 38-10 in Sean Johnson's 200th game. Uh, we've had some 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 switching some stuff up in that game, which we're going to talk about too for the Sharks and maybe some things that are going on behind the scenes. And then the Knights upset. Desi's back, back again. Yes, the number one track that I sing to you week in and week out does not. My pearly pipes couldn't bring the Seagulls home in that one. But that game is going to get a lot more in-depth coverage. But the Knights do win that 18-10 to 10, uh, in a match that a lot of people did not see them coming into and winning. I know they were playing up in the Hunter, which I know that they try to play and they do play a little bit better playing at home. But uh, I don't know if anyone saw the Seagulls going down in that. Now that's where I want to start off with this week when we kind of recap what just happened. I, I, I don't know what the referees are doing. But they're turning the NRL into a debacle. A debacle in the fact that we don't know. I think we're we're, we're more worrying going into games of who's going to make it out of it not on judiciary charge or not being suspended or being sent off than we really are about what's going to transpire in these matchups. And I think that's where the NRL is in real trouble if they don't get a grip on this. Because I'm going to tell you, the biggest fan of what's going on right now in the NRL is the AFL. Because the AFL is only going to pick up steam from this. And the, and the fighting that's going in, internally with the NRL about what they want to do and how they want their game to go and what they want it to look like and what is a head charge, what is not a, a high tackle, what is, it, it, is, it is confusing people. And you cannot confuse your fan base, let alone your players, for you to continue to go in a positive direction. And the Marty Tapao-Daniel Safidi send-off debacle that happened, where Tupo gets sent off, but Daniel Safidi doesn't, and Daniel Safidi isn't even injured when, when Tupo tackles him, even though it was a sliding tackle where it hit him and it slid up into his head, and Safidi never even leaves the field for an HIA or anything and is laughing as Marty gets sent off the field. We're missing it. And we're missing it for our big players, our enforcers in this game, to do what they do best. No one wants to see, like I said, the swinging arms and the players trying to injure people. But just in basic tackles, things are going to happen. This is called tackling. Now, the funny thing is, 90% of people who are watching the NRL week in and week out haven't made a tackle in 20 years, let alone if they've made a tackle ever in their lives. They wouldn't even know how to do a form tackle, how to wrap somebody up, how to roll. I'm just saying they don't know how to do it. So when you're trying to say that when you're watching full-grown men in their specialty put a tackle down and it goes a little awry or off, and it's not good enough. Or it's, it's confusing people. And you're going to, and I said this a couple weeks ago, I said this last week, you are going to alienate people that love this game from the way they, for the reason they love this game. And it's not that they love the game for the injury. They love the game for the physical confrontation that happens between superior athletes in their profession. And we can't lose sight of that because the moment we lose sight of that, we've lost it. And there are now players that are coming into upheaval that there's been rumor that they're trying to oust Peter Volandis. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm living in, I live in a country right now that there's a lot of undercurrent of, of, of social unrest and, and discontent. And, and you got to snub that stuff quickly. You gotta have people believe that truth is truth, fact is fact, 
Lies are lies. And right now, that's not what's happening right now in the NRL. They're getting mixed messages, and players are getting mixed messages, and players are getting frustrated, and, and fans are getting frustrated. And you got to get in control of it. And that, if that's Peter Volandis, well, that's Peter Volandis. He's the one who started this whole thing. And, and all of us, you know, unless you're a few talking voices, or as those people would call themselves uh, pen pushers or keyboard jockeys, would say, you guys got us into this because you didn't do what should have been done in the tackle that Dylan Brown did. And you're over, and then Tedesco getting hit on the same play. And they're and they're rebounding like a Super Bowl so far in the other direction. You know, I, I, I don't know what needs to be done, but the, the, the debacle that we're watching with the officials, and it, let me tell you something, going into origin, this is the NRL Rugby League's key moment. This is their bronze time. And they cannot be dropping the ball with send-offs and high shots and high tackles. And that is, origin is its own beast. Origin is its own beast. And if they don't have that under control, then it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Uh, so that is my whole feeling of that whole thing that transpired up in in Newcastle. But I think it's been happening all around the league. That, it was, that was just the big one that I was like, wow. And listening to uh, people that are trying to call the game, the announcers who seem like they're walking on eggshells because they don't want to say wrong things because I don't know if the hammer will come down from Philandes and the NRL or what. But the frustration that the, that the, the, the callers are having, the announcers are having, trying to justify just horrible officiating and calls that are going on that has been sent down from up, up above. It, it's painful. It's painful. So please, NRL, get this under control. I, I just, you know, I it's a game that I love. It's a game that I know a lot of you love. And I want it to stay that game. I know none of us want to see guys get injured. But that's fine. We go after the swinging arms, crusher tackles, sure. But but to, to really recoil the way we have is ruining the game. I'm just going to say that plain and simple. It's ruining the game. So coming out of that also in that match, a big, 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 big key uh, for the upcoming weeks is that Tyson Brazil went down with an ankle injury. And it has now been said that this is ruling him out of the entire Origin series, not just Origin 1, but the entire Origin series. And when you know the big bloke that Tyson Frizzell is, if he goes down, and I think a lot of his teammates for, for the Knights saw that, if Tyson Frizzell stays down, you know it's not good. You know it's a situation. You know it's something that we've got to really, really address and watch. Um, and, and it's going to be a key, key loss for the Blues, I think. So that being said, let's move on to one thing that I really want to point out is that Sean Johnson played his 200th game in that victory against the Titans. And that's two in a row now for the Sharks. And the Sharks now sit two points out of possibly being in the top eight. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that's, you know, with, with Fitzgibbon coming in next season, who's really running the show there? We know that they have a coach that is not going to be their coach that is sitting there allegedly calling the shots. But a lot of people have now heard rumblings that Fitzgibbon is controlling who he wants to see so he can make decisions on contracts. And I think we saw that this weekend or last weekend, excuse me, when we saw Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan in the 6th and 7, and that Chad Townsend was left off the field. Now, we know Chad Townsend is going to be up in Townsville next year. He's a cowboy already. But I really find it really hard to see Chad Townsend not in that side. Even though this week, you know, Sean Johnson and Moylan played very, very well. They, can, they, they really had a good connection and cohesion, you can say, in the halves. But even as Sean Johnson was holding his little one uh, being interviewed after the match, he even brought into word, he even started talking about Chad Townsend. I'm saying he, he was Chad's halves partner back at the Warriors as well. 
And Chad was one of the major reasons that he signed with the Sharks. So I, I think even though that worked this week with an underperforming Titans side, I don't know is this going to be something that's going to continue to thrive going forward. But that means that it's very, very confusing on how we're going to figure out what to do with Moylan and Sean Johnson. Do you keep one of them? Do you keep them both? What What is the determining factor that is key? I think we know that Sean Johnson is an elite rugby league player and one of the best halves when he's firing on all cylinder. But some people will tell you that Sean Johnson hasn't fired in all, in all, on all cylinders for two to three seasons. So I'm a big fan of Sean Johnson. I'd love to see him continue. I'd love to see him continue with the Sharks. But he's going to have to step his game up. And if this last weekend was any indication, that's a good sign that he might be heading in the right direction. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Now, in the Roosters thumping of the sinking green machine, young gun Joseph Suwali, the one that everyone's been talking about, the 17-year-old young gun that looks like a man amongst boys, even though he is a young man himself, or some people would say a boy, got his first try for the Chooks. But coming in out of this match, there's been a huge concern with the hip pointer or hip flexor that James Tedesco picked up. Now, Teddy Teddy took the needle, finished the game, uh, and has been has been training in Origin Camp so far this week. But you just worry about, you know, that, that Teddy is getting ready to go into the hardest hitting part of his season, and that is Origin. And really, how does he recover? Even though I know that he's still practicing, he's still playing, and, and Brad Fittler probably isn't, there probably isn't a better coach besides maybe Robbo that would oversee and to watch and to see how Teddy's performing, how see how Teddy's playing, to see if there's anything that needs to be addressed or watched over or looked at to make sure that he is playing at his best. But I think going into to origin, what do we always say? After week one, every single one of these guys is, is carrying some type of an injury or a niggle or a nick. But, an, but a hip is a big, big thing. And a hip is a lot of the flexibility, a lot of the movement, a lot of the quick twitch that Teddy needs to do playing fullback. So hopefully Tedesco heals up. Uh, but like I said, he's in good hands with Brad Fittler. Now, that would be our recap of the horrendous week that Jershed Adamas had to go through. But I'm done with that. I'm not talking about this anymore. It's the past. I know some of you have been in bad relationships that you won't even talk about. Your significant others, wives, husbands, current boyfriends, girlfriends, they have no idea how bad that last relationship was. How much of a jerk you might have been. But you know who's not going to tell them? You. It's the past. So that's what we'll say last week was. That's what, we're not talking about that again. We're going forward. We're off to bigger and better things. So let's start bigger and better things, talking about the week that's trans. 40-20. Let's kick something now. Let's kick the touch. Now, let's start 40-20 because I like to always fill you guys in on things that we might have talked about the week before that really transpire and come into fruition. And one of those things is it came to fruition that Jake Clifford and... Tom Dearden, Tommy Dearden, the switch is on. Jake Clifford is now a knight. Tommy Dearden is now officially a cowboy. Uh, how this affects the, the pairings going into the next week or two with these two players, I don't know. I think Origin has a lot to say in when we see these guys. I think Clifford's going to be in there quick. I think Dearden's probably going to be in there pretty quick. I think Clifford a lot quicker than Dearden, but... You know, I think, you know, you have to remember just two years ago, Tommy Dearden was was highlighted as being the future great have in Brisbane. And now he's not even in, even with the Broncos. He's with the Cowboys. So that is going to be very, very curious at best to watch. But it is official. Those two guys are with the clubs. We pretty much said they were at last week on this show. Now, if you watch a lot of shows that deal with rugby league, NRL, let's just say rugby league, because State of Origin is 
the, the zenith, the top of the hill when it comes to rugby league. It is something everyone talks about. I don't care what country you are. If you follow the code that is rugby league, everyone knows state of origin. And normally state of origin is one match in New South Wales, one match in Queensland, and one match at a neutral ground. Well, because of the cove finding its way back down to Melbourne, and now Melbourne being on high alert, locked down in some areas, clubs being, you know, shipped out of town, so on and so forth, that pretty much led us all down that course where we thought, and it came to be, I guess, fact, that origin number one will not be held in Melbourne. It will be held now up in Townsville. Now, this is key because that means now two of the three matches this season for origin will be held in Queensland. And and if you've watched State of Origin, the Queensland Maroons excel when they play on their home turf. They excel when they play in Maroon country. The Toads lift their game when they get to play in front of their people. And I think it's something beautiful to watch. I don't care if you're a Maroons fan. I don't care if you're a Blues fan. It is incredible to watch any team that can lift their game, their intensity, and just their mental, I I, I don't know, steel when they play in front of their fans. Because it always worries you when, when you hear teams say, we play better on the road. And you're like, okay. And I understand that because... The, the the sheds, the bubble, the, the team has to look upon each other. It's us against the world. But a team that just is dominant at home, that just makes you go, oh, man, I've got to go, you know, two halves. I've got to go four quarters. Whatever sport we're talking about, that just feels the weight of that home crowd. That is what Queensland brings to the Maroons. So, you know, to get the trophy back to New South Wales has really taken a huge, huge bump now. Now, I think on paper, and which we're getting ready to go over right now, these origin sides, I think on paper, the New South Wales team looks, to me, the best team. But now it's been evened out because two games are played in Queensland. And some people will say, playing up in front of 25,000 people in Townsville is even more intimidating than playing at Suncorp Stadium. Even though Suncorp has that aura of being the home of the Maroons. Yes, I've been there. Haven't been to an origin game. One of my bucket list things. And a bucket list thing to see a game up in Queensland and a game down in New South Wales. But I've been in front of that stadium. I just, not even there during game day, I felt an energy coming out of that place. Seeing, running, Walking past the statues of some of the greats of the game. So, yeah, this is going to be a daunting task for the Blues to really go in to snatch uh, back the trophy in this. But let's do this really quick. Let's go over some of the clubs for both the uh, Blues and the Maroons. Let's start with the, well, let's start with the Maroons. They've earned it. They're the defending champions right now. They had Kalen Ponga in the as at the one, but he's been ruled out. That groin is not going to uh, allow him to play Origin one, so that means that that Val Holmes is going back into the one, which leaves a little bit of opening what they're going to do. Uh, but we've got Kalen Ponga, Valentine Holmes, Dane Gagai at the three, Capewell at four, Xavier Coates at five. Munster is back in. Let me say that again. Cameron Munster has been cleared to play, and he will play and suit up for the Maroons in the six. Daly Cherry Evans at seven. Christian Welch at eight. Reed Mahoney at nine. And now they're saying that Harry Grant has been cleared to start in the nine, and it looks like Harry Grant is going to be the nine 
And that leaves Mahoney up in the air if if what he's where they're gonna play him. Jai Arrow, the how should I say the man that that set everything ablaze with the hit on Teddy last year at the ten. David Fafita at eleven. Felice Cafusi at twelve. And Tino Faya Asumalawi. I think I butchered it, but I tried it at thirteen. Now. A lot of people think that this is where the match is going to be won, is the interchange. And Moeke Fadakai, oh my gosh, uh, Joe Afanegawe and Jaden Sua are the interchanges with AJ Brimson at 18, Cohen Hess at 19, and Kyle Felt at 20. Now, I think to me, looking at this roster with the Maroons, there's a lot up in the air. And the big thing is Kalen Ponga. And it's a groin injury with Kalen Ponga right now. And that is Kalen Ponga's explosion. I'm saying his movement his is, is so key that I don't think we really know what that's going to spell for his long-term prognosis, especially for the Origin Series. Thank God for Valentine Holmes. And Valentine Holmes is really now, like I just said, Earlier when we were talking about the recap and in, 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 in 4020, Valentine Holmes is probably getting closer than he has at any other time before to that stellar play that he did back with the Cronulla Sharks in 2016. They're nowhere, he's nowhere close to that yet because he was elite then. But he's closer to that level than he's been in a very, very long time. And and why would he not be? After the Jets curse, the, the the green blood that had to run through his veins for a while. But I think there's a lot of sliding parts that are not in full place right now. Because we really don't know how healthy, let's be honest, that, that Mustard truthfully is. We think that he is, but we don't know fully how, how healthy he is. Um, so that's a question mark. And, and like I said, that, that sliding positioning of, you know, what's going to happen with that fullback position, uh, there to me is a lot, you know, Harry Grant's back. But really, truthfully, how healthy is Harry Grant? So the Maroons have a lot of questions. And, and I think the thing that's going to help them again is playing those two out of three at home. Because as, as we go over the blue side, you can see to me, I think this is a stronger side. We've got Tedesco at the one, Brian Tao at the two, Latrell Mitchell at the three, Tommy Turbo at four, the the the, the Fox, Josh Adokar at five. And here's where the a lot of the talk before we name these sides of Jack Whiten or Jerome Luai at the six. I told you I would go with Luai. Uh well I'm happy Fittler took my phone call because that's what that's what Fetty picked. Freddie picked Jerome Luai at the six to pair with his Penrith Panthers partner, Nathan Cleary, at the seven. Daniel Zafidi at eight. Damian Cook at nine. Travojevich at ten. That's Jake, not Tom. Uh, Cameron Murray at 11. Tarek Sims at 12. I'm so happy that Tarek got the call up. Uh, I, I think that of all these guys that we just talked about, Tarek Sims to me is the guy that really seems to be able to lift his level when he gets on the origin stage. And he's going to have to be one of the hard mans of the club. And I think that he's going to embrace that role. And Isaiah Yao at the 13. Now, I think it's really cool that we've got Whiten at the 14 because if origin is played like origin is, who knows who could go down with any form of injury. And I think that's why Whiten at the 14 is going to be great because he can fill in in so many different positions. Junior Powell at 15, Payne Haas at 16, Liam Martin at 17, and then we have Appy Curacao at 18 and Campbell Graham at 19. So to me, that bench is, I think, the key of why I'm tipping the Blues. Even though they are playing two or three in Queensland, I'm I'm tipping the Blues to win the series, two games to one. Um, and again, let's be honest. We can try to tip as much as we want. Origin is about a war of attrition. And who comes through game one the most healthy? 
sets the uh, sets them up to be the favorite in game two. So we'll have to see. I think we've got to keep an eye on that on that Tedesco hip and uh, go from there. But I'm excited to see Brian Tao. It's two. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to see how Jerome Luai plays because I hear so much, and I, I say it's crap, but I hear so much talk about, you know, if Luai's game transfers over to the origin game. And I think Jerome Luai is going to be brilliant in, at the number six. And a lot of people say he's not going to have the space to be Jerome Luai. Jerome Luai will create space. And I think you're going to see him excel at origin and I think that he's going to put a lot of people who are doubting him to rest and rest very early so that is the teams that is the setup that we have uh and and I'm and I'm really excited I'm scared and this is the sad part about what's going on in the, in the state of the game right now I am nervous of how origin is going to be played because I don't know what the officials are going to do and I think going into an origin the last thing you should be thinking about or caring about is the officials but that's what everyone's thinking about. If we're going to see origin or if we're going to see something that's not state of origin. So keep your fingers crossed that we get that hard-hitting state of origin that we've all come to love. Now, I really, you know, we we cover player movement a little bit. Like we talked about the Clifford and uh, Tommy Dearden movements that happened last week. But this week has been insane with players re-signing, signing, and it all kicked off with a huge, huge coup of the, of the Cronulla Sharks poaching Nico Hines away from the storm. I, I You know, all the rumbling and talk up to this point is how, you know, the, the Sharks just couldn't get marquee players to come there right now. Not as bad as the West Tigers to an extent, but but that they were having a problem having key big-time names come to the Shire and 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 to put on the, the black and, and the black and uh, powder blue, whatever you want to call it. And getting Nico Hines to sign on is going to change a lot. It's gonna. It it is now the new. It's the new dawn for the Cronulla Sharks, because now Cronulla has become a destination, and that's what a big signing does. It makes a, a club look enticing to other players to come there. And now you know. Now you start rumbling, and you're going. You know. Okay. Well, is Nico gonna? Is he gonna slot into the fullback role? Because another thing that just happened is. William Bubba Kennedy, who's the current fullback, just re-signed. And Toby Rudolph just re-signed with the Sharks. So already that domino effect is being felt. But we don't know now. You know, is it a battle with Nico Hines and and Bubba for the fullback position? Or are you thinking about maybe moving Nico Hines into the halves? And if he moves into the halves, what does that do with the... You know, the 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 the, the uh, Sean Johnson, you know, and and uh, and I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Sean Johnson and Moyland, Matt Moyland. You you really don't know now what 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 are they gonna do? But here's the thing they'll always say. It's better to have a lot of pieces than having not enough pieces to help your you know, to to, to drive your car, to drive your engine. So Nico Hines coming there is huge. And it makes you also look now at what's going on down in Melbourne. Because I think a lot of people thought that he was probably going to re-up with the Storm. Does that mean that Nico has some information about Bellyache not going to be there next year? Maybe Craig Bellamy has let people know that he is not going to be back next season. And Nico Hines like, you know, that's who I want to play for. And then there's also the the thing that people have been talking about for the last two seasons. The Brisbane Broncos have missed out again. Because a lot of people think Brisbane let this one fall right through their fingers. That they had Nico Hines. Nico Hines wanted to come there and they dropped the ball. Now, we'll, none of us will ever know. We were not in those negotiating rooms. But 
I got to admit to you, I thought that Nico Hines was either going to stay with the Storm or he was going up to Brisbane. And to me, Cronulla wasn't even on the radar. And that is how, why this is such a big poach. And, and really, you know, the, the huge signing of Adam Reynolds starting for next season, you would hope that that was going to bring in some big-time talent. And that maybe that was going to be the linchpin that helped Nico Hines say, yeah, you know, I'd love to play in the spine with Adam Reynolds. But it didn't happen. So that was the kickoff of this. But then we had, take a deep breath, here we go. Jacob Little has re-signed with the Tigers. And that is such good news because after his knee injury, to see Jacob Little be able to re-sign a contract to stay at the club that he loves and to actually play too. I think that's another thing that we got to keep in mind. Jacob Little has now been allowed to say that we, we trust you. You're, our, you're part of our future going forward. So that's awesome. So he is re-signed. Oliver Gildar. Now here's something that's really key to look at for the Tigers. You got Jackson Hastings at Wigan, who's coming there next season. But now they've just poached Oliver Gildart, who is also with Wigan, and signed him on a two-year deal. So getting some key components there with the West Tigers, and, I, and I've told you how big of a fan I am with Jackson Hastings. Like, I'm not even thinking twice. Jackson Hastings is my halfback from day one. Not even thinking twice about it. Not even thinking twice about it. You know, Jackson Hastings or Luke Brooks, you know, one of them was the man of steel. One of them's never really even almost been up for Daily M. So I, I, I think that's huge, Jackson Hastings coming there. But also to bring Oliver Gildart with him, uh, that's huge. You know, Oliver Gildart's a good centerman. And so you wonder if that means one of the Luai brothers are on the outs or what's going on. But that's a big, big signing for the West Tigers. The Broncos have signed Branko Lee, so here comes maybe some of that pull. Um, and, and given David Mead a one-year extension. I am so happy about that. Because if you watch that storm match from this last week when the Broncos took them on, David Mead, I'm going to just say this. David Mead is a badass. And I am so happy that he's found his way back into the NRL. Uh, for a couple seasons, he was one of the, one of the shining stars for the Catlins Dragons over in the Super League. And to see him back and flourishing and being one of the bright spots for a somewhat lackadaisical Brisbane Broncos season so far, uh, but to be rewarded already and for Kebby to say, you know what, I see what you've brought to this club, David Mead. Here's your money is awesome to see. So congratulations to David Mead. Then Mitchell Moses and Ryan Matterson have re-signed with the Eels. Uh, I think that was kind of a... What kind of surprised me about that is I thought there would be a lot more fanfare for Mitchell Moses finally to sign that deal. Because, you know, there were rumblings that he was looking at, you know, the Brisbane Broncos were coming hard for him and 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 lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But, but to, for them to finally get him to put uh, pen to paper, I thought there would be a lot more fanfare about that. But he has signed and Ryan Matterson, oh my gosh, I can't believe it though. Ryan Matterson, it seems like he's happy with the place. Well, that's fascinating. But uh, he has said that he is re-signed and he's going to be. Tigers fans, I know. I, I can't believe Ryan Madison's being. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, but he's re-signed with the Eels. And then, like I told you about the, 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 the Bubba Kennedy and Toby Rudolph re-signing. Uh, it's huge. It's huge for the Sharks. So, those player movements, uh, you know, it, it's a fluid situation at best, right? With Rugby League and the NRL. So congratulations to these players to getting paid, but also finding their homes uh, for the 22-22 season and on. All right, so we know going into origin round or origin one round uh, that one of the things this does is it's going to allow you and myself, especially me being an American over here, I say that with some pride, I guess, but it allows me to catch up on my sleep. And the lovely lady that I spend my life with that brings me more joy and happiness than most things, she is going to get to see the better part of me because there are only four matches this week. Four matches. 
And I was so thrown off that I was wondering, like, what's going on with the scheduling right now? But we only have four matches. So your Shed Adamas could easily get back in the win column where we need to be. So let's go over these really quick for round 13. Because, like I said, we've only got four matches. Thursday night, or as I should say, tonight, tomorrow morning, however you want to say it. The Broncos and the Dragons. I got the Broncos in this one, even though I know they're down there. I, I, I just think I'm going with Kebby. And I'm also starting to see a little bit of panic. A little bit of panic down there at Illawarra. The, 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 they don't know what really they're going to see week in and week out with the Dragons. And I think we've seen that because I did not see the Tigers doing to the Dragons what they did to them. So this is really rally the wagons time because they're in trouble if they don't really respond here. So I've got the Broncos over the Dragons. Tomorrow night, we've got the Panthers at the Tigers. Now six key, there are five key players that are going origin side for Penrith. So to say that, that, that they're a tad bit, they've lost their entire Habs combination. Now that means Matt Burton's going to slide into the Habs. Uh, I don't even know who they're going to try to put in the other halves because truthfully, they can try to name people, but we know until that moment, that day, uh, when they the final announcement comes out, who's going to be there. But we're going to see Matt Burton in the halves for sure. But I still am going to go, even though they're playing at Leichhardt, but the Tigers have not done well at Leichhardt the last three seasons. So I've got the Panthers again. I remember you guys were supposed to let me know, do not bet against the Panthers again. And even though they're down five, I'm still not betting against them. I think the Panthers win. Saturday, we've got the Storm at the Titans. I just told you that Justin Holbrook is week in and week out looking more like he puts face makeup on and rouge on his cheek starting a match instead of halfway through a match because he's so angry. And I think that rouge is only going to get darker because there's no way to me that the Storm lose to the Titans. Uh, so I've got the Storm in that one. And then Sunday, we've got the Eels of the Knights. Uh, I think for sure we're going to see Jake Clifford finally make his, his Knights appearance. The first time we're going to see him uh, with the boys from the Hunter. But I've got the Eels rebounding and getting a victory over the Knights. So let's go over those matches one more time. I've got the Broncos over the Dragons, Panthers over the Tigers, Storm over the Titans, Eels over the Knights. Now I know when you look at that on paper that I took every away side in this. And I know that's a little different, but guess what? No one says when you come outside the sheds that we're not going to be different at times. So I'm going out on a limb and I'm taking all the away sides for this one. Now let's go over to the other game, the game that is really starting to push the NRL because of the NRL's, how should I say, how, how do I say this nicely, their fluidity in their sheds with what's going on. But we got the match to me that we were all looking forward to. We had one against two. We had the D's against the dogs. And in a medal of show and force, the Melbourne Demons put it to the dogs 87 to 59 increasing their lead on top of the table by four points the d's dominating and and i've got to tell you something they're who knows what everyone's back at the end of the season because a lot of people think the tigers are going to be there i told you i've got port adelaide playing richmond in the grand final but the demons are really making a case where they're going to be tough to tough to catch for that top spot and the way they handle the number two now I know we also have to put things into context in the standpoint that it was played at Marvel Stadium where there was no fans because of COVID I know teams are now being shuttled and flown everywhere because of the COVID situation again I know I know to, to my fans in, in Melbourne, I, I know you're going, I cannot believe this is happening again. But thank God you're attacking it and not acting like it's a hoax or something that's fake or something that doesn't really exist. Uh, but 
that does affect teams. And they weren't even sure going into the day of that match if the Ds were even going to be able to take the field because they go on a tier system and they find out if players have been in a tier one location, which is a location that has been considered a place where COVID has been really sensed at. And and they still came through and made it seem like it was nothing. No, no big deal. We'll just keep going. So that was a big, big victory for the D's over the dogs. And it it it, it maybe shows you what we're gonna see later down the track. The other big key match for that round, and a match that I got to see, was the Tigers and the Adelaide Crows. And that was a real, really, 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 really big match because we know the Crows uh, handled, you know, the, the dogs. And I just didn't know because the Tigers did not come out of the blocks well. And the Crows were really on top of them. And to me, the comeback that the Tigers showed, being on the road, playing in, at Giant Stadiums, so they were playing in Greater Western Sydney's home field, I think said a lot. Especially when you see the final score of 111 to 83. The Tigers found a way. And as, as, as Chole would say, they still have not last, lost with Chole in the lineup. But Jack, again, showed his dominance and showed that he is still a player that can lift his game at key situations and times. It wasn't Dusty. It wasn't Kachi. He was back. It was Jack. Jack kicking some key goals. And every time he kicks something, giving the thumbs up to his daughter at home. But I still say to be the man, you got to beat the man. And no one's beat the Tigers yet when it's counted. So... I still say the Tigers will be there late. Uh, they'll heal up, and they're going to be there. Now, I match of the round. I can't believe we're getting the Ds in match of the rounds back-to-back weekends. But we've got the Ds taking on the Brisbane Lions on neutral ground, again, at Greater Western Sydney Stadium, the home of the Giants, on Friday night. And it's a 1-3 matchup. I, I can't believe back-to-back one versus two, then one versus three matchups. Uh, and this is going to be really, really... Let me put it this way. If the Ds find a way to win this game, and there's no reason to say that they can't, they're top of the table, they really will show that they could be the team to beat. And that's how big of a match this is coming in this week. Um, you know, can Christian Petraka and those boys just come out on top? And I'm really excited to see what the outcome in this, of this is. Because if the Lions do prevail, then they're right knocking on the door to being that number one spot, in that number one spot that the Ds currently hold. But if they don't win, the Ds have really separated themselves from everybody else. And I think that is going to be key for them going forward and down, you know, down the track and later on in this competition of what happens to their finals chances. Because I think for sure they're a top four lock. But where do they sit could be key. And then I want to say something that we have not seen. Because to me, one of the greatest matches of the of the entire AFL season to watch is Dreamtime at the G, which is Richmond against Essendon. The pageantry... Um, you know, the indigenous feel about it, the Guernseys that the clubs wear. Um, usually, the Richmond Tigers let uh, an indigenous player on the team work in the design of the Guernsey that they will wear. Uh, last season, Shy Bolton's family was the one that helped put together that Guernsey, which was a beautiful Guernsey. It's the number one selling Guernsey uh, that the Tigers have all season. But because of COVID, the dream time at the G is now the dream time at Optus Stadium in Western Australia. Which is going to be so strange to see, but at the same time, it's going to be beautiful to see. Because the strong indigenous people that are out in Western Australia are getting ready to see one of the key, key, key matches of the season. So much so that this game sold out in under 24 hours. It's a sellout. 
And it's not even home teams. It is Essendon against Richmond in Western Australia, and it's sold out in 24 hours. So what a match that this is going to be. Essendon's playing some good football right now. Richmond is, is fighting to stay in that top eight, fighting to move up that top eight. So a great match to watch. And I think it's going to be something I can't even really stress to you how special I think this match is going to be to see uh, what they do to make these teams feel at home and to bring that dream time feel from Melbourne up to Western Australia. And I think I think Western Australia will beyond live up to uh, what their indigenous people can bring to that. So definitely want to see. Try to find it if you can. I'm hoping they show it here in the States. Now let's go to the guns. And this was tough because there was a lot of guys that really, really pushed to, to get into the outside the sheds top three for the week. But I'm going to go with some indigenous royalty to me. A guy that I think doesn't do a lot of talking, just does a lot of playing. And I gave my number one this week to Dane Gagai for the Bunnies. Gagai had three tries, 123 running meters, three line breaks, three line break assists, one try assist, four tackle breaks, and 14 tackles. To say that Dane Gagai didn't excel in the position that he was given, did not excel in a round that means so much to him, is beyond an understatement. And I love to see him when Dane Gagai is playing with some fire and he's playing with some grit and some determination. And I think he got that this week. So uh, congratulations being the number one gun for Dane Gagai. Number two, the man that, that to me uh, lit a fire to this week in movement in the NRL of teams and players and re-signings, Nico Hines with his uh, mastery that he led the Storm to their their thumping of the Brisbane Broncos. Nico Hines had one try. He went six for seven on conversions. So the boot was working well for him. 214 running meters, three line breaks, two line break assists, two try assists, six tackle breaks, three tackles, and 57 kicking meters. Again, Nico Hines, with Pappenhausen out, the Storm have not missed a beat and have continued to excel, which to me is uh, really something cool to see. And I said this a couple weeks ago, Nico Hines is playing himself into a big contract, and guess what? Your Shed Adamas at least got that pick right, because he did with that three-year deal that he got with the Sharks. And then I have to tell you, even though the numbers aren't as big as these two gentlemen that I just talked about, my one and two, Joseph Manu, I talked about him starting. Joseph Manu is my third my, my third gun of the week. JWH, Jared Waria Hargraves is right there as well with his 250 plus running meters. But to me, Joseph Manu, uh, just seeing his brilliance, kicking a try to yourself, uh, freak but two tries 108 running meters one line break assist one tackle excuse me one try assist two tackle breaks 18 tackles 44 kicking meters you know what more do you need to say he he is just one of those elite guys that I, it's so great to see him in the halves just being able to just be a, a wizard with the ball and with this kicking. So those are the guns. The guns have been been named. So let's go outside the bubble. And it's a very unique week for outside the bubble. Um, some unique things have happened and really transpired over the last 24 hours. I'm not going to start with those yet, but we're going to start off with uh, the big game one that's happening in a matter of moments, really. Uh, and I'm going to be sitting in front of my TV and watching. And that is the game one of the Battle of Canada. The Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, Les Habitants, are playing. And I, I, I can't stress to you shed heads enough to try to find this match. I know some of you, if you're rugby league fans or, or AFL fans, might not know a lot about the Frozen Pond. I told you my love for hockey. I love hockey. Um, 
But the match that you're going to see, this battle of goalies between Connor Hellebuck and Carey Price, I think could be something magical that we're talking about 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that is how good of a goal I think the goal play will be in this series. I was wondering with the Montreal Canadiens rest Carey Price after his Game 7 masterpiece that he had, knocking out the favored Toronto Maple Leafs, allowing a late goal, breaking up his shutout try. But Carey Price is going to play, they say tonight. And I think that we are in for a six to seven game war between these two teams. These two teams play strong in front of their their net minders. And I think it's going to be just something to behold. Uh, and I'm I'm so excited about I'm so excited about this series coming up. Um I'm taking I'm taking the Montreal Canadiens. I'm taking the Montreal Canadiens, the number four seed in the north, to beat the Winnipeg Jets in six games. And I think that you got to ride the hot goalie. And I know Connor Hollebeck's been playing really, really well, even though the middle of his season probably wasn't the best. But I think Carey Price is a playoff goalie. And I think a guy like this, when he gets, and I watched him a lot in his mask, in his eyes, in his demeanor, in his calm, his sense of calm he had. And I think that's what inspired his 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 team, the Canadians, to come back from a three to one you know, deficit, um, you know, a, a, a superior, some people would say a superior Maple Leafs club had a three games to one edge in that series. And the Canadians won three in a row to win that series. So you can't do that without stellar net minding. And that's to me why I've got the Canadians coming out of that series. Now, as we talk about great series, we're going to talk about series that did not end well. And that is the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics got knocked out by the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, They got knocked out by one of their old players, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, the world is round, not flat. That's something else. But one of the things that I cannot believe that just transpired is that Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Boston Celtics, is not the head coach of the Boston Celtics anymore. He has been named the head of basketball, or excuse me, the director of basketball operations, which means then that Danny Ainge has resigned and stepped down, retired, whatever you want to say, and gave up that position to Brad Stevens, a guy who's never worked in the front office before. He's recruited college athletes because, you know, he was Butler's head coach. No experience in that position. And he's now the director of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. I, I really, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not a, a Celtics fan by any means, but I am very, very shocked at this move. I'm very shocked at the standpoint that they're going in this direction. And I really don't even know what to say. It's very, I, I don't know what to say. You know, there's rumblings that, 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 that Brad Stevens was going to go and be the head coach for the Indiana Pacers, possibly. And go back home. He's an Indiana boy. But now he's the director of basketball operations for the Celtics. He hasn't even won a championship with the Celtics as a head coach. Some people were wondering, was he going to even be a coach there next year? But now he's not going to be the head coach. He's going to run the show. Very questionable move. And I'm very interested tonight to hear some, how do I say this, some real veterans of the game talk about this move and to see what they think about it. And then my last big story outside the bubble, uh, staying in the in the realm of basketball, Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, is going to, after this season, the upcoming season will be his last as the head coach for the Duke Blue Devils. He is, he is stepping down. He's retiring. Uh, I think at the age of 74, he's deserved that. It will be strange to see a Duke Blue Devil club without Coach K there. Uh, being a non-Duke fan, I'm quite excited to see Coach K move on. Uh, but it will be strange for me to see them without Krzyzewski. And for Krzyzewski not to be one of the key voices um, in college basketball after this point. And it's really sad that, you know, in, in two years, we're going to lose Roy Williams at North Carolina 
and Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. And I guess you can say this is the new changing of the guard. Out with the old, in with the new. Uh, it is going to be fascinating to see the coaching search, to see who possibly could be the quote-unquote players or the you know that might be up for it. Oh, and when I mean, when I when I say players, I mean old Duke Blue Devils that could be up for that job. You know, are they going to go Jeff Capel? Are they going to go Woj? You know, it's going to be fascinating to see because you know Shashevsky is going to have a major say in who takes over that program because, you know, that program is his program. So, uh, really big news out of that front. Well, Shedheads, I think that is going to do us leading into Origin 1 and this weekend of big games. Uh, Thank you for bearing with me. I apologize again to you if you lost your mortgage payment for this week uh, with those picks. We're going to rebound, though. We'll make some of that money back. We'll make some of those picks back with these picks that we did for these four matches. But uh, that being said, stay safe out there. Keep your heads down. Like I said to my people in Melbourne and and in Australia, stay strong with COVID rearing its ugly head back there. But thank you for being one of the leaders around the world of showing how to attack the virus instead of letting the virus come in into your home, eat at your kitchen table, and act like it doesn't exist. Uh, so until next week, shed heads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been outside the sheds. I am your host, your shed Adamus, your master of ceremony, Corey Jackson until next, next week. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of outside the sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.